Good morning, my name is Travis. I'm the pastor, the campus pastor at New Life Church in Wilsonville, and I'm very glad to be able to be with you this morning. Let's uh, begin with some prayer. Father, we are grateful that you are our God who speaks to us through your word. We ask that you would do that today, that as we open your word, you would remind us of who you are, of your character, of your uh, presence with us here this morning, that we might be uh, delighted in you and that we might thank you for it. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we are in Psalm 75. And one of the things that I love about Psalm 75 is it begins with thanksgiving. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. And as I was thinking about that first verse in Psalm 75, that uh, we give thanks to God, we recount his wonderful deeds, I was thinking that's what we do as the church. That's what we do. That's why we get together as a church. And so that we can thank God and so that we can talk about, recount, review, rehearse the great things that God has done. We do that by reading through his word here on Sunday mornings. We rehearse and review the things that God has said and the things that God has done so that we might praise him and thank him for it. We do that in life groups. We look at God's word together and we talk about it. And we do that one-on-one -on -one as we say, uh, what's God been doing in your life? And we have opportunity to share with one another. And I hope you ask that question often. And I hope that you're asked that question often. What has God been doing in your life? So that you have opportunity to reflect that God is with us. He's present with us. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. The presence of God is near. One of the names for God is Emmanuel. God with us. In fact, we know as Christians that God is so with us that he sent his son Jesus, the God-man, to be with us. With us. Because he wants us to be with him. And he saw the distance that was between us and him, the sin that separates us from him. And so he sent his son to be God with us to reconcile us and forgive us of our sins so that we can be united with him, that we might give thanks like this, that we can meet together and worship. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near and we recount your wondrous deeds. It's just such a great way to begin with thanksgiving and saying, God, we love you, we thank you, we thank you for being a God who's not distant, who's not dispassionate, but a God who, who cares and loves and is engaged with his people. And God, we love to tell about the great things that you have done. He begins this way, which is, is such a, a reverse almost of last week right? In Psalm 74, he was crying out and going, God, where are you? What are you doing? Don't you see how the world is in turmoil? Don't you see all of the things that are going on? And it's almost like he's pointing the finger and going, God, you, 
you. You're the one who created all of this. You're the one who sustains and upholds all of this. But God, you should act right now because there's all this stuff going on and you should be judging it now. You can remember from, from last week, it was almost as if he was saying, get your hands out of your pockets and do something. Well, this week now is a response it almost serves as, as a response to Psalm 74 because at the end of Psalm 74, it ended in verses 22 and 23. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. It's just this, God, engage, 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 engage. You know this stuff. You need to do something about it. And now, Psalm 75, as he begins, he says, he says, we will thank you, God, as we recall that you are present with us and as we recall your glorious deeds. And then in verse 2, God begins to speak. And these words come, come right at the things that Asaph, the psalmist, was, was crying out for last week. And so in verse 2, it says, At the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. At the, at the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. So when last week the psalmist was crying out and saying, God, do something. Don't you see all of this stuff that's happening? Now God is responding. He's going, I, I am God. Remember the psalmist was going, you, you, you should be doing these things. And now God is saying, I I will appoint the time. I will judge when the time is right. Don't think that I don't care. Don't think that I'm off somewhere, not paying any attention. I know what's going on. And when the time is right, I will judge. You don't need to tell me when to do it. I am the one I'm the one. At that set time, the time that I have set aside, at that time, the one that I appoint, I will judge, and when I judge, I will judge with equity. No longer will you be able to say, it's unfair, God, because I am going to judge, and I am going to judge justly. I'm going to judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keeps steady its pillars. When, when, when everything seems like it's spinning out of control and falling apart, God's going, when you see that, I'm holding it steady. I'm shoring it up. I'm hanging on to the pillars so that it cannot actually fall apart. This idea of tottering, I think of, of a kid spinning round and round. In fact, one of my kids, when they were little, they did that spin, 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 until finally they fall, fell over. And I can remember hearing them as they fell over and they looked and the room looked like it was falling in on them. 
And because the room kept spinning as they had stopped. And they cried out because they didn't understand what was going on. And they said, Mom, the house is falling. And Teresa from the other room said, Okay, just a minute. And they waited for a second. And then they said, Oh, wait, never mind, it stopped. And I feel like that's what's happening here. That, that God has been saying, look, you've been spinning round and round and all this stuff is swirling around you and you feel like the whole world is now coming apart and beginning to crash down in on you. And I am the one steadying its pillars. Your perspective is that the whole thing is caving in and I am here holding it steady and firm as I have since the beginning of time when I created it by my word. God will judge at the proper time when he deems it proper. And in the meantime, he's holding it, though it feels to us uncertain, though it feels like it's tottering and falling apart, he is holding it. Because He is God, both Savior and Judge. And if we have that kind of God, that kind of God who is holding the world together and keeping it from falling apart, and if we have the kind of God that at that appropriate time will come and judge, and when He judges, will judge with equity, then we need to be so careful not to get ahead of ourselves. We need to be so careful with that kind of a God that we do not become boastful and arrogant or proud. Because wasn't this the thing that that Asaph was talking about in Psalm 74? Look at what's going on, Lord. The wicked are getting away with all kinds of things. Psalm 73, the same thing. He said, I almost... I almost wanted to be wicked because look at how they were getting away, from it, getting away with everything and it seemed to be profitable to be wicked. But then remember how he said, but then I considered their end. And so if we think about that end, that judgment, that when God comes and judges at the appropriate time and when he does so, he will do it equitably and justly then we must not boast. In fact, he goes on to say here in verse 4, I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with haughty neck. Don't boast. Don't be arrogant or proud. Don't raise up your horns. You know those those horned animals. I was watching a show with, with my son the other day, and we were watching uh, one of the planet Earth, and, and they uh, had these mountain sheep with the big horns. And they would raise up, they'd, be these, they'd have this big stature, and they would raise up and then they would come crashing down on one another, and they'd try to gain the high ground. And the ones with the biggest horns had the biggest stature. The biggest presence. It was representative of who they were. And the bigger the the horns, the bigger the the person. The more impressive the beast. 
In fact, when you talk with hunters and they talk about how uh, they went hunting and they got a deer, the, the first question is, well, how many prongs were on the antlers? Like, how, how big of an animal was it? Because the horns are representative of, of that stature and presence and position. The horn was also used uh, in, for ceremony. The, you'd keep uh, oil in the horn and you, use that for anointing, or you would use it as a musical instrument for praising God, or you would use it as a bugle to call in times of battle. The, the horn was used that way. But here we have this representation of position. So I say to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. You might hear somebody today say, don't toot your own horn. Don't, don't go talking about yourself, bringing yourself praise. Don't exalt yourself. Because God is the judge. God is the judge. And so we should find a posture of humility Humility in, in times of difficulty, when it seems like things are unjust around us, and, and humility in times of success, when it feels like we are doing well. We should be humble, because God is the judge. Humility seems to have gone out of vogue. It seems that today everyone is right in their own eyes. My opinion is the only opinion that matters. In fact, if you disagree with me, you are wrong. Anyone who doesn't think the way that I think is my enemy and the scum of the earth. There's all kinds of arrogance and pride. And humility seems so hard to come by. And when we think that we are right, it's hard to be humble. But when we look and see that we are like a child that's spinning and sees the world from our own perspective and so it seems that it's collapsing on us. And we remember that our Heavenly Father is the God in Heaven who is holding firm the pillars of the earth and will come at the appropriate time to judge with equity. We can instead take a posture of humility. We must not boast and be proud. We must not be like stubborn, stiff-necked animals unwilling to bend to the bridle and halter. We must be willing to be led and guided by the Lord and wait patiently. Wait patiently for Him to act at the right time. We must not be proud thinking somehow that we will ourselves um, bring about the results that we want, nor should we be looking to other places. Verse 6, it says, For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes just, judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Where do you turn to 
when you feel that things aren't fair? Who do you turn to? Where do you go? Do you think that perhaps some sort of policy change might help you find justice? Are you hoping that somehow if we bring in just the right elected official, then somehow that will bring about justice? Do you find yourself going to your boss so that you can find justice from your boss or from the HR department? Do you find yourself commiserating with family and friends? Telling them about all of the things that have been going on and how you have been the victim of all of these circumstances because of the inequity and the injustice in the world and the way that that all of these things have happened to you and people like you and they have put you in this place and you find yourself just complaining about that and looking for your family and your friends to come alongside you and say, oh, yes, you are right, and justify you. Or do you find yourself taking to social media or somehow airing it for the court of public opinion and saying, this is wrong, I have been wronged, and I want all the world to know So that somehow justice may be involved. Or perhaps you'll take to a Yelp review or Amazon review. Because I spent good money on this product and it did not live up to my expectations. And so I feel as though I was defrauded. And so I want everyone to know they should not buy services or products from that company. I'm going to write this review so that no one will ever buy anything from these people again. In some of these instances, we're looking to others to justify us, to save us, to protect us, to bring about the judgment, to make things equitable and fair. And in other instances, it is, we are looking to ourselves We are rendering the judgment and saying, I am the victim here. And as the victim, the self-described victim, we put ourselves in the place of judgment and we say, this is the punishment that they deserve. Sometimes we do this dispassionately with a company or somebody that we've done business with or a neighbor or a community member that has somehow offended us. Sometimes we do this in our personal relationships where someone has wronged us, offended us. And so we hang on to that. And we let them know that's not okay. Or we just keep it inside with resentment and bitterness. But here's the thing. 
When we place ourselves in that position of judgment, we're raising up our own horns. When we describe ourselves as the victim here, and we begin to make all of these judgments, it is a form of pride that is self-focused and putting ourselves in that place of judge. And here's the thing. Though there are times when there are injustices and we see that, and though there are times when it is appropriate to cry out like Asaph did in Psalm 74 and say, God, this is not right and you need to do something about it and you should be doing something about it now. We have to remember that our great God is the judge of all the earth and that He has set a time and at that certain time, it will all be judged equitably. Between now and then, at appropriate times, God meets out judgment and justice a little at a time. And we don't always see that happen. It doesn't always happen in the timing that we would like, but it happens little by little and here and there. And we see people that got away with things for what seemed like a long time, and then it comes crashing down on them. But we know that ultimately, God is going to judge the heavens and the earth, and He will do it equitably. Because here is what is coming Verse 8, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. All oh, that picture. The cup and wine are used as symbols often in Scripture. Sometimes as a, as a symbol of celebration and rejoicing and blessing. That my cup is full to overflowing with the blessings of God. And we celebrate that because that wine is a wine of celebration. Oh, look at what God has done. Look at the bountiful harvest. And this is part of that celebration. But there are other times... In Scripture, where the cup and the wine are judgment. And here we have in the hand of the Lord a cup with foaming wine. It's a mixed wine. This mixed drink is potent and powerful. And we know what happens when you drink the potent and the powerful. The results of that are not pleasant. And here we have this foaming wine, this well-mixed wine, and He pours it out on the wicked, and they are going to drink it, and they are going to drink it all the way down to the dregs. 
that, that chunky, bitter part at the bottom, that nobody wants to drink that part. You drink it all the way down, as much as you can get, all the way down to not drinking the dregs. Some of you are coffee drinkers, and you make yourself a pot of coffee, and you pour out the coffee, and you leave that little bit at the bottom. Because who wants that gritty, bitter piece at the end? But when God's judgment comes, nothing will be held back. Nothing will be missing. At no point will you be able to say, you know, God, I know that there was some punishment and some justice there, but I think you held back more than you should have. I don't think that at any point anybody is ever going to say, you know, God, you were too gracious there. God is going to pour out the judgment all the way to the bitter end, and they are going to have to drink all of it. And here's the thing, that at this point, our eyes should be getting wide as we recognize what it actually means for the judgment of God to come upon those who deserve it. It's one thing to say, oh, it's, there's injustice, there's all this wrong going on, and it feels not right, and so God, you should deal with that. But it is something else to actually see the judgment of God coming down on those who deserve it. No one wants to see that. I don't wish that on my worst enemies. And beyond that, I find that while I am so busy calling for justice and for God's judgment, I neglect to recognize my own position. Like having the child come running from the other room, Dad! 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 My sibling did all of this stuff. And dad says, okay, what did you do? And the child goes, they, <gasps> and the eyes get big as they realize that dad is going to bring justice. And dad is going to bring justice with equity. Which means the sibling will get in trouble for what the sibling did, but I was not in the right myself. Yes, I was injured and it didn't, I didn't deserve it, but I am also in the wrong. Our eyes, as we get to this point, should be getting big with that kind of expectation because we recognize that while we were accusing all of these people of all of the injustices and all of the wrong, we ourselves were raising up our own horns in pride and coming down in judgment on them. Rather than humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God and expecting that our just God will deal with it at the proper time. And so he says in verse 9, But I will declare it forever. 
I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Oh God, I am trusting and hoping in you. Oh God, I am going to praise you. Because though it seems for a while as though the wickedness is thriving and the unrighteous are getting away with it, God, I know that ultimately you are in control and you are going to bring your justice at the appropriate time. And so, God, I am going to just rest in that. And I am going to praise you. Oh, great God. For being the one who is here, present with his people. I am going to praise you, God, for all of the great things that you have done. And I have heard you say what you will be doing in the future. Sometimes I hear about all the great things that God has done and I look at my present circumstances and I forget that God will act right now. I look back and I go, oh God, you did all those things in the past. Why won't you do anything today? And God says, at the right time, I will do it. And I will do it completely. Oh, we thank our God that when we deserve the wicked, as the wicked, to receive the cup of judgment, that Jesus Himself has taken that cup and He has drunk it for us. So that we, instead, may receive the merciful presence of God. Do not think when you don't see that judgment now, that it is because God doesn't care. He does. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the, judge, the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. But my prayer for you today is that you will put your hope in God. That you might find yourself on the right side of judgment. Because having confessed your sins, you have accepted the Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on your behalf. 
It is my prayer for you today that knowing that the judgment is coming and that God will deal with it equitably, that you can rest in peace now. For those who have no hope of an eternal future with God, for those who think that this is all there is, they thrash about like children wanting justice now, wanting it to be fair now. But we don't need that. Because we know that at the right time, God will deal with it. And we know that He has already loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross so that whoever believes in Him will not die but we'll have eternal life with Him. So when that judgment day comes and the heaven and earth pass away and are burned up and all of the wickedness along with it, those of us in Christ may be deemed righteous and may remain with Him. Let's praise Him and thank Him for that together. Oh, our great God, how we hope in your presence. How we put our trust in knowing that you are holding firm the foundation of the world. And so, Lord, I pray now that at those times when we feel the pains of injustice, that you would bring us comfort. Father, I pray that at the appropriate time, you would be meeting out justice even now. That bit by bit in this world, you would be restoring the creation that has fallen. That you would be binding up the broken and healing the wounded. But Father, I pray that our hope would not be in the temporal salvation, but rather in the eternal one. That our delight would not be in a return of favorable circumstances, but would be in a return of relationship with you. That we might rejoice in your glory, in your salvation, and not look to anything else for our hope. And Lord, we can ask this with confidence, knowing that you have cleansed us of our sin and adopted us as your children when we believe that Jesus is our Savior. And so it is in his name that we pray. Amen.